third down and 20. What is going on? Welcome back. Third and 20 podcast. I really hope it's episode 73. I, to be honest, I haven't checked, but I'm going to assume it's episode sure. 73. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, I am too. So we're getting into it. So real quick, quick announcement. Um, we're kind of changing up how we do the pod. We're going to do the pod and the picks together. Pod's now going to be released on Friday. At, and we're going to start it off with the picks, right? So the picks are going to be a little bit more long form now. And the pod is... I don't even know what's happening anymore. You know, the pod's just the pod. The pod's the picks, the picks, the pod, whatever. Um, let's get into it. Let's get into these picks. Steed, how are you feeling about the board this week? It's a little funky board, dude. Like, there's a, especially in the NFL, there's a lot of big, uh, big numbers, you know, a lot of points on the board. I feel like and it's I either like... a big number or a super close game. One of the two. Yeah. Like, I see a lot of two and a halves, a lot of threes, and then it just escalates to like 10 and a half, 11. I mean, we got, and then you got one in the middle where it's like eight and a half, but still, that's a lot of points too, mm -hmm. especially in the NFL. I don't know. I think it's going to be a little, I think this is going to be a testy week in the NFL, especially gambling wise. All right. Well, we got to do it. So, as of right now, dude, we're both doing pretty well this year. We're doing a lot better than last year. Um, I'm up 13.28 units. Steed, you're up seven units. Steed, you would have been having a sick... You had two bad weeks, I'm pretty sure, and that's yeah. it. And, yeah, um, no, that one week killed me. But then I got it back one week, so, like, you know, yeah. it's just... It's the way it goes. I've kind of just been, like, consistently up, like, a unit a week. <laughs> and then I had one week where I was up four, which is now up... Whatever. All right, but let's get into it. Dog of the week. Oh, I forgot the dog. Hold on, let me get the dog of the screen. You can get into yeah, your dog of the dog. week while I get that scraggly dog on there. Okay. All right, we well, go. my dog of the week. Who did I see? I'm trying to... Okay, yeah, that's who I'm taking. I got the Seahawks as my dog of the week. Uh, you get Russ back. Chris Carson's coming back. You get some offensive weapons back. I The team... The way they played without Russ, I'm, they only won one game without him, but they looked competitive in, in the games they played without him. You know, it looked like the defense was kind of playing better. Now, like, the offense wasn't moving the ball because you can only do so much with Geno Smith. I think Russ, you know, obviously makes a huge impact in that. And then you put in, you know, a great weapon like Chris Carson. I, you're just getting really good odds right here, plus 150. I understand it's in Lambeau. But then again, like, this is kind of the time where you see, like, the Seahawks and Russ kind of, like, you know, maybe start off a little mediocre in the beginning, but then he starts hitting playoff form and gets his team in the conversation. I think that's a good start this week. The Packers, you know, like, that whole drama with Aaron Rodgers and the vaccine, does it carry over? I don't know. But then again... I like the Seahawks as road dogs this week, not a, let alone dogs, road dogs. I'm going to be taking them spread and money line. Oh, you're going spread and money line. You're doubling down. Well, I'm going to tell you on the Seahawks because for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, and dude, uh, that defense is a lot better. Um, it, it's been it's, playing good. Like you look at the games that 
uh, Russ was out, they were in every single game because of their defense stepped up. If they keep that same mentality, the team could be good. It feels like it's kind of a carbon copy of what the Se- what happened to the Seahawks last year, where that middle of the season, well, I guess last year was the beginning of the season too, the, the secondary just was all over the place. A ton of blown assignments, um, and then just generally speaking, not playing well. They didn't have a pass rush. Well, this year, it was a lot of that more so the, the secondary just completely not covering people, especially that Vikings game. It's like, dude, what the hell is this defense doing? They figured yeah. it out a little bit. They definitely have figured it out. And now you get Russ back. Dude, I feel like the Seahawks, they know, they're 3-5. and five. They know that that this season is not the way that they've wanted it to go and that there's a little bit of a fire now under this team because of the fact that they've shot themselves in the foot for the playoff race right now. So I, I think I agree with you. This team is going to be competitive. Russ is ready to play. Chris Carson's coming back. The Eskridge they're getting back, who hasn't really done anything. I think he only played in one game. But once again, right, that, that's just a, a guy they drafted in the second round that they wanted to get some production out of. I'm thinking that the Seahawks are going to be very competitive this week. Um, against the Packers, and it's just going to be a close game. So plus 155, why not? Why not? Especially, like, you know, in their eyes, like, they're probably thinking the division's a long shot, right? Because you're four games back of the Cardinals and you still got the Rams in front of you. But a wild card spot is still so open in play right now. Like, you're one game back out of the seventh seed, like, and you get one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So... It's time to go now, and I think they can start hitting on some really good pieces. So, I don't know. It just seems like a good Seahawks week. Well, dude, you have to remember the Seahawks and the Cardinals haven't played yet. So, instantly right there, that gives them a shot to overtake the Cardinals. So, I actually don't think they're thinking that the division's out. They just, they're going to have to win a lot of games for them to win the division. So... I like the Seahawks. So I my dog of the week, well, I was going to take the Seahawks as my dog of the week, so thanks for that, I guess. Um, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go with the Vikings against the, the Chadges. I just don't know what's going to happen in this game. So that leads me to take the dog, the Vikings, at plus 145. I think that's a pretty good payout. The Chargers have not been playing well. Um, They skated by an Eagles team that has been playing better. They got some respect from Vegas last week. It was only like a two or a three-point spread. I even think at one point it went down to like one. Yeah, one and a half. I I think that's more of a testament to that maybe the Chargers aren't as legit as we thought in the beginning of the season, more so than the Eagles are all of a sudden a good team. Um, It's just the Vikings. You don't know what the fuck you're going to get at the Vikings. You could get a Super Bowl contender, or you could get a big old pile of trash. And if you are taking too much into account that Cowboys game where they lost to a backup quarterback, I think that you're taking the bait on what this Vikings team is. No matter what, they're going to be playing in a close game to me. And we're not at the point where they're out of it enough yet to where they're going to get smacked like they did against the Saints last year. I'm thinking this is going to be a close football game. And I'm going to take the take the odds here at plus 145 for them to put it out. And another team that their defense has been playing a lot better. And 
they they have that fire lit under them, I think, because they have a couple of these close losses. They're starting to see, hey, the playoffs are starting to get out of reach. We need to start executing and winning games, and I think that's going to happen for the Vikings this week. Well, yeah, I think this is a very winnable game. Like, you know, the Chargers, especially in the beginning of the year, you know, they were a huge Super Bowl favorite where, like, a lot of people are calling them, like, a sleeper to win the Super Bowl or sleeper to win that division. I I throw the Chargers kind of like that same tier where, you know, like we kind of said with the Cardinals last year, you know, maybe they're just one year away until they really click it. And then, like, a same team, like, this year, like, maybe the Panthers or something like that. Or the Bengals, you know, we think they're just, you know, you need another year until you see success. I think the Chargers kind of fall in that category to me. I, I, they're still a very competitive team. But, again, like, it is the Vikings. You don't know what the hell you're going to get out of the Vikings. You're, you're going to get a good game. You know that, at least. You're going to get an entertaining game. Uh, I'm staying away from that game because I just think it's too many unknowns for me. But if I had to lean, I would probably lean Vikings. Oh, I'm I'm not leaning Vikings. I, I just simply think that plus 145 is too good to pass up for a Chargers team that's not playing well. And that is yeah. starting to struggle to run the football consistently with, with Austin Eckler's health being in question every week. He's not at 100%. Um. I just I'm watching these Chargers games. I thought the Chargers were legit. I like the Chargers team for whatever reasons. They're not putting it together. And. It just seems like that kind of week where the Vikings kind of just pull off the upset. Um, Mm -hmm. All right. So let's go into the pick. So you said that you were taking the Seahawks spread. What is the Seahawks price? Three points. I got three and a half on my book. Three and a half at what odds? Minus one twenty is some juice there. Yeah, a little juice. Um, you want me to see what it is on DraftKings? Yeah, I'd rather have that. Uh, let's see. Let's see what we're getting probably, here on DraftKings. DraftKings has be been buggy for me lately, dude. They're like kicking me out of the app a whole bunch. I think it's because, man, like I'm up up thirteen. U. It's like they just they're like get out of yeah. Go to fan. I could do that. You want me to look on FanDuel instead? Yeah, that's fine. I, I'm too late. I'm already looking at DraftKings. Um, what game is the Seahawks? I have them plus three at minus one hundred five. Yeah, I'd rather just take those odds. All right. Well, a little window shopping there for Mister Steed. Who, by the way, how are how you know a week after the the big winnings. And and the Braves, what's happening there? How are you feeling with that four point three k in the pocket? You make any purchases? It's not in my pocket yet. I, I still have to cash it out. Oh yeah, that's right. You have to cash it out. I forgot about that. See, I'm so used to these I, online books, dude. You know, the fact that you got an actual ticket is like, what is this? The seventies? I know. Like it's well, like it's like when I bet it. Like I just kind of bet it because like i thought it could happen and now that it actually did happen now i have to actually plan this shit out and i'm just like and like the thing is i can't just go there by myself because that place is expensive as hell so i have to find people to go with and everybody's yeah. like let's go in march and i'm like dude i'm not waiting until march to cash out four grand like <laughs> i want that shit now so i'll figure something out maybe maybe my dad will want to go or something um other than that though Let's see if we can hit on some more big bets this week. All right. Uh, I'm going. Let me let me go here. Let me go here. 
I, I'm, okay, I yeah, assume you're going to tell me here, actually. So oh, I'm yeah, taking the Browns plus 120. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly who I was going with. I'm just taking their spread, though. I'm taking two and a half. Oh, you're taking the Browns plus two and a half? What, what are the odds you're getting on that? Minus 110. Okay, just standard stuff. I'm taking the yeah. Browns money line. Dude, this feels like the same story as last week. Um, yeah. I Dude, I'm liking the Browns more and more now. They're getting a little bit healthier. They finally put it together last week. Defense looks great. You know, Because at the start of the season, their defense looked good. Then they had some mishaps, especially that Chargers game. That's a game they should have won, but they made a ton of mistakes. Those mistakes lingered for a couple of weeks. But last week, dude, they, they come up with some huge plays. They come up with some huge plays to beat the Bengals. I think Not it's a even, similar story yeah. this week against a rookie quarterback. Yeah. I, I Plus, like, you know, it was kind of like we talked about in the episode before with the whole Odell thing. It, like, I think Odell just was a big distraction in that locker room. And then, like, especially for a guy like Baker, now when they cut him – or they waived him, whatever they did with him, and then they go in the game without him, like, on the roster. Kind of just like, you know, like, it's like, all right, well, we don't have to worry about him anymore. We can go out there and play our game. That's what they did. And that I think this is when, you know, the Browns were my Super Bowl pick, and I think this is when you're going to get them back in form. I, that division is still wide open. I mean, all those teams are fighting. And but like and the Patriots are hot, man. They're a good team, but I think the Browns are a really good bet this week because you get them plus money, and I think they're about to start firing all all cylinders. Yeah, I'm just checking to make sure that that DPJ Donovan's Peoples Jones is playing because I think that he provides a nice little matchup advantage for what the yeah it looks like he is going to play because he I know he played last week. I mean, the Browns have a ton of injuries, which stinks. Uh, and that does scare me a little bit. No Nick Chubb, especially. But, mm-hmm. man, that O-line is good. Um, and, Baker's and playing. I, what's up? Baker's playing better. He's thrown last four four out of five games. He's thrown two or more touchdowns. So. Yeah, B- Baker's been getting a little bit too much crap. So I, I I like what the Browns do, and I think that they can match up big to the to the Patriots. Also, I think a lot of these Patriots games, you just don't really know what's going to happen because the Patriots are just a super wacky team. They have a good defense. I I'm not going to come out here and say that the Patriots' defense is amazing though, and their offense is wacky. It, it's very dude. They're running trick plays every game to make sure they score. I mean, Mac Jones is good. I think that Mac Jones is. He's a good player, but he's still a rookie quarterback. And yeah. when push comes to shove, that, that Browns defense has got some good players. So I'm just going to take the underdog in a lot of these Patriots games. I, I think with the, when the Patriots are expected to win, there's going to be some Dolphins kind of bullshit, you know, that, that early season Dolphins game. And then when they're, when they're the underdog and they have a chip on their shoulder, like that game against the Chargers, they're going to come out and surprise you a little bit. But – I think I'm just going to be constantly taking points and taking value when, when looking at these Patriots games. Yeah. I like that. I like Patriots as dogs. I don't really like them a favorite. I like the Browns as favorites and depending who they play, but love them always as a dog. It's like still like the Browns with or without injury has a top 10 roster in the league. So uh, for my next pick, the, I'm back at it, dude. This team's roped me back into it. Um, You're going with the Falcons, aren't you? 
Falcons eight and a half against the Cowboys. Oh my goodness. Look at this. I'm telling dude, if the season ended today, the Falcons be traveling to Lambeau Field to go play the Packers in the playoffs. <laughs> Uh, but besides that, it, this is why I'm taking it. It's not a homer pick because I like personally bet the Falcons last week because six and a half, I looked at it, that's too much points, too many points. I think this is too many points again. Matt Ryan, this is like besides 2016, this is one of the best I've ever seen him play. And he's doing it without Calvin Ridley. He's doing where your number one weapon is – a rookie tight end who's phenomenal, by the way, but he's not always making the plays. It's Cordell Patterson, and then it's just this bundle of receivers of Sharp, Russell Gage, and Zacchaeus. You know, so he's getting a lot done with not much. On the other hand, the Cowboys struggled last week, and it kind of like set me back on the Cowboys just a tad, but not. Not like a whole bit. Now, that being said, I know the Falcons' defense is nowhere close as good as the Broncos' defense. But I will say this Falcon defense is a little underrated where they could sneak up on you. Like, it's not a Falcons' defense at all. They come at you with new different looks. And Deion Jones has just been all over the field this um, this year. So if he can make a couple plays on the defensive side, they'll be in this game. They, I doubt they win it. If they win it, that's great. What a hell of a win. But I think they don't lose more than by two scores. Uh, sorry, but I think you're, y'all are getting blown out this week. Now, I don't know, dude. I wouldn't count us out. The underdog. Uh, listen, I'm not, I'm not putting a unit on the Cowboys if that makes you feel any better, but I, I, I will give you credit, right? I'll give you credit on two of your points. A... The defense is better, mainly because A.J. Terrell is that rock in your secondary that you haven't had since Desmond Trufant was actually good, you know, years yeah. ago. Dude, uh, which like, is a big AJ deal. Terrell, like, right now, who's the better corner? AJ uh, Out of that class, A.J. Terrell, Trayvon Diggs. A lot of people say Diggs. Terrell's numbers are tremendously better. I think it depends on what you're trying to do, though, too. Like if you're looking for a corner to be aggressive and get you the football and 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 be like more of a zone team, right? Where you're I mean, that's just true. asking your guys to be ball hawks out there and running a lot of single high stuff where where your corners are 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 asked to have a deep third. I think I'd rather have digs, but in terms of and especially for your division, right? Where you have a lot of good receivers that you have to go up against. And well, it used to be Michael Thomas, and then you have like DJ Moore, and then obviously the Bucks have tons of good receivers, AB Evans, and all them. If you're able to have a guy go one on one with their best guy, that opens up a lot of what you can do on defense, and that might be apparent in this Cowboys game. Now, getting Gallup back, I actually think is huge for the Cowboys if he plays this week because how I would think Dean Pease was going to try and stop. The, the Cowboys is you, you have a lot of safety rotations, which I'm pretty sure Dak actually kind of struggles with. And then you have Terrell go one-on-one with probably Amari Cooper. Try to double C.D. Lamb when you I, can and force guys like Noah Brown yeah. and shit and their running attack to make plays. Against the Falcons, very underrated run defense. But with Gallup, I don't know what happens now. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure 
AJ Terrell never moves sides. Like he'll never like they'll never just set him on one guy where he's like following him around the field. They always set him. I'm pretty sure it's the left side. So, I mean, like he's going to be on everybody. I like at least they're two top guys, right? Amari Cooper and CD. And then it just kind of falls on everyone else to just fill in and do their role. Hopefully Dante Fowler can get back and create some kind of pass rush. But I don't know. I, I like, but also do you think it carries in a little bit of last year? Remember they blew that big lead to the Cowboys in Dallas, that onside kick. You think like that motivates the team a little bit to come out here and play? No, I don't think that makes any impact. Um, unfortunately. Because, like, I was kind of seeing people's argument with that, but then I was like, dude, there's so much turnover in this roster. Like, half the people starting weren't on this team, so, like, it doesn't really matter. Listen, I don't hate the pick. I just think that the Cowboys outmatch them and outclass them a little bit too much for me to take. Well, they're a better team, right? I mean, like, that. that's without being said. I just want to beat Dan Quinn. That's all I want to do. <laughs> Now, see, what if DQ is coming out there with revenge? And he's like, yo, this defense, you guys better light Matty Ice up because fuck the Falcons. He might. I don't know. I think it'll be a fun game. Especially because now you have, like, cool guy Dan Quinn, right? Backwards hat, untucked shirt in the box, probably sipping on a Miller light up there. He's having a time in Dallas right now. They're smashing I mean, watermelons. They're, they're having a great time. Yeah, they're having a good time. Um, all right, I'm gonna go with my pick. I'm gonna take. I. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this up to debate for a second because okay. I was thinking about taking the Raiders over the Chiefs this week money line plus one twenty, and I have a question mark next to it. Here, here's my. I'm gonna cover up the other list of picks that I haven't gone yet. But if you can see here for the people watching in the pod, I'm doing a terrible job of showing this. You see that little thingy there? It looks like an exclamation point. That's supposed to be a question mark. All right? I don't know. I, I kind of want to take the Raiders, especially because historically they play really well against the Chiefs. And, dude, like, the Raiders are going to be up for this game. You know, this is Kansas City week. This is the week for the Raiders that come at the beginning of the season, has a big old red circle on the schedule, right? This is the game that says, are we just pretenders? Are we fringe a, a wild card fringe playoff team? Or are we a team that can show up and beat the Chiefs like we've kind of been doing and actually win this division? I'm going to take them. I'm, actually, I'm, I'm going to take them. I've just convinced myself. Because the big factor is that the Raiders' defense, especially late in the game, would just get smoked by the Chiefs, right? They'd be scoring well. They'd be doing a good job. And then all of a sudden... Patrick Mahomes with 40 seconds left goes down the length of the field and scores. It's like, well, holy shit. Like, can we stop anything? You know, they're putting up 35 points every time they play the Raiders. With the struggles of the Chiefs defense and the fact that people have been figuring them out, I'm taking the Raiders here. The Chiefs defense is not great. And I think that we finally get the perfect storm for the Raiders to win. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders played great against them last year. They beat them once. I'm pretty sure that game was at home. But they played last year on Sunday Night Football, and and that's when Derek Carr led a drive very late. They went up, and then, of course, it was like a minute left or like 40 seconds left, and Patrick Mahomes went down there and scored. Listen, if it comes down to that again, I 
this year, I don't think the Chiefs team could do that. This offense is like just it's not good. It's just it, it, like it's not playing good. I I don't really get it, you know, because their O line's actually pretty damn good. Is like Patrick Mahomes just trying to do too much? There's no real running game, you know. Like Kelsey's kind of had a little bit of a down year too. I think that's the big part is that the the Mahomes Kelsey connection that has been so deadly is not at the level that it needs to be. And if you look at, I'm pretty sure when targeting Kelsey, he has like five interceptions on the year. So uh, it used to be like, what what do we do with Travis Kelsey? Because if you doubled Tyree Kill, then Travis Kelsey is able to have some sort even when you doubled Kelsey it was like you still had a favorable matchup because of the way that double teams in the NFL work it's not really truly two guys on someone it's you know you you have favorable leverage in one way and and Kelsey was able to with his route running beat favorable leverage so the fact that he's they're not doing that as much this year is really scary and you've seen Mm -hmm. what happens yeah and like the thing is they're both like best at the position right so like they could easily figure out how to fix that on the fly but it hasn't happened yet mm-hmm. and that leads me to tell you i want raiders money line with all that they've gone through this year right they've been through a slew of mess just you know with the gruden the henry rugs they just cut damon arnett their former first round pick what a draft class bust that has been but we are sticking with the Raiders. It's still Raiders podcast plus one twenty. Raiders money line. Get it done at home Sunday night. Oh, it's Sunday night too. That's perfect. That's exactly oh, what yeah. we need for this Raiders team. Yeah, that, oh, like the black hole. Do they still call that like the black hole? Even though they changed the stadium, probably right. I think so. so. It's gonna, We're rocking. It's gonna with be it. rock. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be rocking. All right, my next pick, I'm going to go with the Saints money line. They are plus 125 against the Titans. I'm just going to mm-hmm. kind of go with the classic theory that the Titans are uh, essentially the the Steelers, where it's like if they're an underdog, take them. Honestly, at this point, it doesn't matter what you think, what your opinion is, what facts there are. If the Titans are an underdog, you take them. But on the contrary, once you start giving the Titans credit, things starting to crumble a little bit, it seems. And I think that could be apparent this week, especially with the way that the Saints play. Um, it feels like people are, are kind of forgetting how the Titans struggled early in the season. And if you look at that Jets game, one of the factors, now this is because the receivers were out, right? But they were not able to win one-on-one and get space for Ryan Tannehill to throw. The Saints happen to have, like, the most physical coverage guys in the league. I absolutely love this defense that Dennis Allen has put together. And I think that that's going to be a huge problem for this Titans team without Derrick Henry. Those flaws are actually going to rear their ugly head this week, where I don't think A.J. Brown is going to be able to go and win one-on-one. And and when they double him even, not necessarily double, kind of more of a safety over the top against Marshawn Lattimore, then Marshawn Lattimore is going to step up and have a good day. And then kind of like, well, who, where do we get production from then? Because Julio Jones been banged up and a little bit too inconsistent. I doubt they're going to rely on him. I don't think you're going to be able to run the ball against the Saints stacked front seven with good players, Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, all across the board, right? They, They have always have a good front seven. 
I think they're going to have to have some good plays by their defense like they did last week to win. Yeah. Therefore, I'm going to be taking the Saints. I really like the fact that I'm getting plus money on the Saints this week. Especially the Saints after a loss, too. I think it's really good. The Simeon thing, that doesn't scare you. I mean, like, I still think he can get the job done, but... Yeah, but the, it's not all on Simeon, though. I still think we're going to see a lot of this Taysom Hill crap. It's going to be a lot of running the football. Now, Kamara out really does scare me. That is one thing that that frightens me a little bit, is I don't think that Kamara is going to play. But um, Mark Ingram. So that part of it is very nerve-wracking. But honestly, I don't even care about what the Saints do on offense. I just hope that they don't turn the ball over. And I think that Sean Payton, with how creative he is in the screen game and whatnot, will force the Titans to do what they're bad at, and that's usually tackle. I just, I, they so, cannot turn the football over. Do not let Kevin Bayard, who is one of the Titans' safeties, insane, playing insanely well right now. He had a pick six last week and has been going yeah. off the past couple of weeks. Do not let him ruin the game, and I think you're fine. Just give me two or three touchdown drives and shut down the Titans' offense, right? Don't let A.J. Brown make one of those plays where he catches a ball like a 15-yard out and one-on-one coverage, break a tackle, and take it to the house, right? Let's not let him do that. And I, I think the Saints are going to be in a really good spot. Listen, I've been taking the Saints a lot um, the past two years, and it's I, I've been having a great time yeah. doing it. I mean, they're a very profitable team. That all being said, though, about this game, would you think the under would be a play then? What is the over-under at? I honestly didn't even check. 44. 44. Um, like, do you see – I could see this game being like 20-17 or something like that. Yeah, I think the under could be a play. I don't think I'm going to take it because I, I, I'd rather – All right. I'm taking it. Give me the under. I want. I want no points in that game. I want to. I want to. I want a Jags versus Bills game. But I, yeah, not, I think the under is a good play because there's just a lot of question marks for both teams. Um, now the the big X factor in this game is going to be the turnover battle. Um, I will. I think the Saints would win that, right? But then again, the Titans defense, like they just create turn. But then I don't know. They're. Yeah, but that's a dangerous game. Trust in the Titans' defense, dude. There, there's. Look at last uh, yeah. year. There were games last year where the Titans' defense. You're like, well, do they know how to play football? Have have they tackled someone before? And then they all of a sudden in the playoffs against the Ravens, it's like, holy shit! This defense shuts down one of the most the hottest and most talented offenses in football. Right? That that's the Titans' defense for you. So it's a dangerous game starting to say, oh, well, the Titans' defense is one of the top defenses in the league. I think that's a bait. It's this bait season, no, dude. This is bait season. That. I'm not saying that they're one of the top defensive units. I'm just saying, like, you saw, like, the the creating turnover ability last week and some weeks before. I don't know. But then again, the Saints do the same thing. So I think that's just going to be a grueling, grueling game. I'm putting my faith in Sean Payton. <laughs> I love you, Sean Payton. Make, make me some more cash. I don't look really good coaches. He's phenomenal. I, I still think he's like the most underrated coach in the NFL. Either him or Vrabel. Yeah. 
Um, well, I, you know, the thing is, I feel like last year and the year before, Vrabel would get some credit just because he took a team like the Titans that wasn't in the playoffs and get to the playoffs. Recently, he's been getting a little bit too much crap. I'll give you that. I will say, uh, I think Sean Payton's definitely getting more credit now because he always had Drew Brees there, right? So, like, Drew Brees is going to take yeah. the majority of the cred. Mm. Now, like, that the Saints, what are they, five and three, you know? And, and they beat the Bucks the week before and lost the Falcons suck it. But, uh, you know, like, <laughs> they're in the playoff hunt and they're in the division hunt. Um. Yeah, yeah, well, the other thing, too, is that if if you're putting too much stock into that Falcons loss, dude, the Falcons and the Saints, those games are always so weird. Oh, like, no, aside they're... from last year, every one of those damn games has been really grimy. It, it doesn't matter if one team's only won one game all year and the other one's won 12. You know, like, it, it's a... It's a rivalry game. It's one of the most underrated rivalry games in the league. I I believe so. And it's since like at least Matt Ryan's time that th- those games are they're close. They're really close. It always comes down to that last drive. Also, like Deion Jones, the the Falcons linebacker. I don't know he what imagined- happens. Oh. But when he like he shows up for Saints week. Like when it's Saints well, week, that probably- dude's an animal. He's from Louisiana. And oh, they go okay. Like, you look at his stats when we go at New Orleans. It is, it has to be the best he's ever played. I think it's because he has family there. Well, like, don't get me wrong. Like, Dion shows up pretty much every week. Still, I think one of the most. Yeah, but a, a little bit extra. A little bit extra he, when he's going home. Like, I mean, he's creating turnovers. He's doing it all, getting the sacks, you know. Like, it's, it's nice. That's why I got his mm-hmm. jersey. I didn't know that. So there, there's the reason why. You learn something new every day. The reason Deion Jones starts playing phenomenally against the Saints is because he's from them Louisiana. So when they're traveling, they're like the whole the whole gang is showing up. He's got yeah. the squad. He's from Louisiana. He went to LSU. You know, he's just he's got that Bayou blood. Okay, um, that's it for my NFL picks. I do have a couple of college picks. Yeah, but let's just run through. Are you done with the NFL as well? Yeah, that that under was the last thing I added. All right, well, let's go into college football. I have three picks. Um, I'm going to start it off. They boned me last week. I think they boned me two weeks in a row, actually. No, that's a lie. I think last week was the first week I took them, and that's Iowa, the team that has no idea that you can score points on offense, actually. Um, Minnesota is actually a pretty big dog against them. They are plus 170 right now. Minnesota has been low-key really hot. They've been a great football team. I mean, we were looking at the conference standings a week or two ago, and they're, it's like them and, and Wisconsin, right, for, for that side of, of um, whatchamacallit, the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. It's gonna be a big game for them. Like this is a huge game for Minnesota, and they're plus one seventy on the. It's on the road, but against a team that can't fucking score, uh, the team total for the, the 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 not the team total, the total for this game, the over under is thirty seven points. Thirty seven yeah, points. That's how it was for Iowa versus Wisconsin. I'm pretty sure it was set the same line, thirty seven, and the under hit. By the way. <laughs> Yeah, because Iowa can't fucking score. 
I, they're good for one touchdown. I like to see Iowa's team, dude. They have Iowa's team total at twenty and a half points. No way, no way they're putting. <laughs> they need pick sixes. They, they need pick sixes. Yeah. Unless they get some, you know, like a fumble return or the pick six, there's no way they score twenty one points. I agree. So I'm. I think that. Listen, it's not a lock or anything, but I just love the value on Minnesota at plus 170. I think you're going to show up for this game. Iowa's been trending way down. Give me Minnesota. Yeah. I got a couple pegs. I like I looked at this board again right now and I I I kind of like the board. Find I, some I, kinda, users. I do. I'm going to start it off with BC plus 2. And this is why. I'm sorry nerds, you know I'm a big fan of Georgia Tech. I love the nerds. But, listen, BC just came off a really good win last week. I think Djokovic, or not Djokovic. Yeah, your, but, Phil Yurkovec is playing. Yeah. He's back. I, I, he's back. And I think that's, to get your guy back and still be a dog, I think that's huge. And you saw it after, like, BC had a bye week, then they played last week, and their defense was outstanding against Vautech. Well, I still think Georgia takes kind of that rebuild mode. I get it's in Atlanta, like it's at home. Like they'll probably have 10,000 fans there. So that's great. But I'll, I'm going to take BC because I, I believe in that quarterback. What is, uh, you know, I was thinking about taking BC money line for basically the reason that you said, Phil Yurkovec, my guy is back. They're even odds to win. Mm-hmm. Is very enticing, especially because Georgia Tech has been trending down ever since that win against North Carolina. They had that blowout win against North Carolina. They have not been the same team. Um, I actually think I took them one of these weeks, and they got smoked. So it's kind of looking like the old Georgia Tech. But then again, you know, this is one thing i got to say. It is the ACC. Yeah, it's the coin flips. This year, the ACC is so unpredictable. I think I'm doing it. I'm going to take Boston okay. College money line. Let's go. Right. Um, Big Phil's back, dude. I have to ride <laughs> with my guy. Yeah, dude. I'm excited to watch that game. All right. I'm going to knock out my last two picks for this week. I'm going to be taking Nevada money line. They are playing South Dakota. No, not not South Dakota State. San Diego State, right? Yeah. Yeah, San Diego State, who's pretty good. They have a good defense. This is like a classic matchup of you have a sick defense going up against a good passing attack and a good offense. So I'm going to be taking Nevada money line at plus 125. I think this is a really good Nevada team led by my guy, Carson Strong. Seem to have a lot of my guys, but Carson Strong is actually one of my guys. I love the dude. So fun to watch. Um, I'm also going to be taking the Nevada team total over mm. 21 points. Um, yeah. That is minus 115. Because of the fact that, dude, Nevada scores. They, they're going to yeah, they be do. putting up. I think that they are almost a lock to put up 25, 24 points. I expect them to put up around 28 to 30, which is why I'm taking a money line. I don't think that San Diego State is going to be able to to keep up with the Nevada offense. I guess there is a chance, and it's in the range of outcomes, that Nevada gets shut down. But, dude, I, I think that Carson Strong is just too good. I think he's going to pick apart 
this this good defense that that San Diego State has, and they're going to have a good chance to win. Yeah, I, I'm telling you on the Nevada pick uh, team total of uh, the over 21 points. We talked about that before the show. I, I just think that's a very low number for one of the best quarterbacks in college football. Probably going to be a first rounder this coming draft. You know, so I. I, I like and again like San Diego State might have a very underrated defense it might be good but at the end of the day I'm I'm, I'm gonna take the guy like I've watched a lot of Nevada football this year and I don't remember one time they scored less than 21 points so I'm gonna stay with that trend I like that uh for my next pick I'm dealing it dude. wait hold on real t- quick before before we move on because the over in that game too is also enticing I think it's only at 46 points if you look at it Nevada oh, yeah. would have hit that every week aside from week one. Dude, the way I see this game playing out is kind of like how the Nevada-Boise State game kind of went or something like that, like a 30-28 to 28 Nevada win or something like that. Like, I see it, the total being – I just don't see how a Nevada team, you know, loses or wins only like 17-14 to 14 or something like that. Like, I, that just seems very – less possible than them scoring a lot more you know Mm. you put that very eloquently (laughs) yeah it's Uh, very less possible (laughs) shout out to all the first graders listening (laughs) indubitably (laughs) indubitably well are you ready to move on from that yeah yeah yeah. what's your next pick I'm not taking spread on this pick. I'm just taking straight up money line. This is the week Oklahoma goes down. Give me the Baylor Bears at home, 12 o'clock. I hate that it's 12 o'clock. I wish it was a night game. This place is going to be rocking, though. This is – I'm not sure if game day is at this one or not. I mean, I think this is definitely the – there's a lot of good games this week, but I think this is definitely the better matchup. But, again, listen, I can see this going two, one or – Two ways. I could see Oklahoma coming out and they're just firing all cylinders, or you could get that Oklahoma team that comes out sleeping a little bit. And this Baylor Bears defense is good, and they can hang around enough, and they just make a couple plays, maybe like pressure Caleb Willis, um, Caleb Willis, Caleb Williams, and force him make turnovers. He hasn't really played in this hectic environment besides that Texas game, you know, but. Even that Texas game is a neutral site. This is a away stadium. I want to see how he forms under pressure in a big game because if Oklahoma loses this, they're out. But if they win it, they probably jump up in the playoff. I'm going to say Baylor takes the next step right here. They win this game. You know, Baylor, I mentioned this last episode, but Baylor's physicality, they really impressed me against Texas. And that's going to be interesting because Texas and Oklahoma seem like an even match up front and, and defensively when they played. So, Let's see if Baylor can carry that into this game against Oklahoma and dominate the line of scrimmage, especially on offense, because if they're able to do that, they can control the football and then in turn, hopefully control the game as long as they, they mitigate Oklahoma State's big plays on offense. And we've seen, or not Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Um, I guess the other thing too, because I was thinking about taking this as well, is we've seen Oklahoma struggle here and there. Right, it's this has not been a very pretty season for him. So, if they get off to that slow start this game or have that turnover, whatever, it seems like the slow starts have mainly been bone up. Right, we saw that against Texas, we saw that against Kansas. They they were able to come back, dude. Baylor's better than those teams. 
So if, if yeah, that happens, are you going to be able to do it? Yeah, and especially being away too. I that's what that's my problem is like again. If you like look at the first quarter and Oklahoma's up twenty-one-seven, game's over. I don't think Baylor has the offense to you know keep up with that sure firepower. You know, unless they get a couple picks mm-hmm. in the second half. But if you look at that first quarter and like it's like three nothing Baylor or seven nothing Baylor, I think Oklahoma's in some deep trouble there, and that's what where I'm kind of leaning to. I think Baylor's going to, of course, they're going to come out to play, but I think Oklahoma's just, I, I still can't buy into them, even with the quarterback change yet. All right. So, you got any more picks on top of that, Mr. Steed? Yeah, I got one more. This is just a fun one. You know, this is just a fun pick. But uh, I'm riding with New Mexico State against Bama. I'm taking them 50 oh, and a half. God. <laughs> well, this is the thing Saban's one and six. Whenever he's a, against the spread as a fifty-point favorite, listen. Wait, it's fifty and a half. It's fifty and a half points. Um, I dude, I listen. This is just one of those ones you never fucking know. Listen, it, well, the thing is, is <laughs> this is it, right? Because New Mexico State's going to get a trash touchdown at the end. If the game, if they get a trash touchdown. And get those seven points. All they have to do is not allow Alabama score sixty points. That is the name. <laughs> Hold Bama to below sixty points, and they cover. You're a madman for that. It dude, it's fifty and a half points. It's the points. worst team in college football. Okay, maybe not the worst, but like they're pretty damn close oh, to it. They're up. They're up there, and I'm breaking a lot of rules doing this, but I, I'm betting the trend here. I'm betting the trend. I know Bama's not great whenever they're a huge favorite. Obviously, obviously nobody's going to be a, really that great when you're up, like, favorite 50 points. That's a lot of damn points. I don't care if you're playing the JV team, you know? So I, I'm just I'm going to ride with it. I will, I will say, I think they, it was New Mexico State a couple picks episodes ago where we were like, this line is just too big. There's no way they don't cover. And they ended up covering on a touchdown with like six seconds left. That's what I'm Maybe that at. happens that's again. I, I, I think that's just dumb, but you do you, man. You do you. It's your pick. Hey, you, you have a better record than I do. You're, up, you're at 31-22-1, so I'll give you that. Who was that push against? That's it was the we both took it. it. Was the Packers game against the Bengals? Oh yeah, that crazy game. Yeah, when they kept missing field goals and none of those teams wanted to win. <laughs> um, yeah, that was. All right, so there's picks for the week. We are done with that. Let me get that off the screen. Let me get the scraggly dog off the screen. Um. All right, so Mr. Steed, you wanted to talk about. The college football playoff rankings. Um, oh, yeah. Now, what exact... So, we kind of talked about the college football playoff a, a couple weeks ago. Um, I, l- l- let me look at who the... So, the teams that are going to be in the conversation right now. Let's just define them right now. It's obviously Georgia. Georgia's a lock, right? Yeah. Georgia, um, Georgia's in. Okay, so then you have Bama. Bama's at two. 
And then who's at three right now? Is uh, so then you have the other team: Cincinnati undefeated, Oklahoma undefeated, Oregon's in there according to the ranking. Um, a little bit dicey. Ohio State, Notre Dame, Michigan, like Michigan State. It feels like all of like Oregon down. It really feels like they're they need some help. Mm-hmm. Um. Well. I just, you know, I'm still not buying Oregon at three there. I, I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I have them here at five. Wait, what What poll were you looking at, though? I thought they were three this week. Well, you got all these different fucking polls, man. That's why I hate about I'm college looking football. At the, no, I'm looking at the, uh, the true college football ranking, if I can, can find it anywhere. Yeah, I have Oregon at five right now. And Ohio State is at six. That's just, that's not right. I can't be right. It's not? No, Ohio State's in the top four in the, the ranking. The one they drop every Tuesday night. Yeah, here it is. So Georgia's one, Bama's two, Oregon's three, Ohio State's four, Cincy's five, Michigan's six, Michigan State seven, Oklahoma eight, Notre Dame nine, Oklahoma State. 10 and then you know then you got your other teams they, they seriously don't have cincinnati in the top four well that's my beef with it dude like i understand cincinnati struggled last week and they played tonight too they I, they play south florida south florida sucks but you know like listen they're look at their Big win against Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame is a one-loss team this year, and they lost to Cincinnati, and Cincinnati beat them by two scores, and everybody thought Notre Dame was going to suck this year. They're still a top-10 team. They're playing like it. And I think a lot of people just don't like Notre Dame just because they don't like them, you know, because, like, oh, they're not in a conference. They don't play anybody. Notre Dame's a good team, you know? They got a top-five player over there in Kyle Hamilton who plays safety. I'm pretty sure he's still hurt. I get like their quarterback play ain't that is isn't that great, but you know it, that's still a great win. On, on top of that, like who, who like Ohio State gets the rep here to be in the top four, but who have they beaten? You beat a Penn State team. I saw this Penn State team blow a two score lead to Iowa. You know, well, I just quit. how is Oregon in in this conversation after a loss to Stanford compared to Cincinnati? Well, that's my beef with it too because. You put Oregon ahead of Ohio State, right? Okay, they had the same record. Oregon won head to head, but dude, that Stanford loss looks worse every week because Stanford's just—I don't think they've won since that win against Oregon. And then you look at Michigan, Michigan State. They rank Michigan State behind Michigan when Michigan State beat Michigan just because Michigan State lost last week to Purdue, who who Purdue's already beat a top at the time. I was too. They already beat them. You know, yeah, and so Purdue's you know, been hot too. They've been taking everyone out. Purdue's a tough, tough team. Like they're gonna play everybody tough. They play Ohio State this week. Purdue has track record where they beat Ohio State in the past. I'm pretty sure they're a twenty point, twenty one point dog. I should have added them to my card. Don't count out the Boilermakers. You know, <laughs> so I, I don't think the uh, the committee's really given a fair shake. I I think they're being too. They're, they're emphasizing the power of five a little too much here. It, like, shake it up a little bit. Like, 
Cincinnati deserves to be in there. They're like, look at their stat line. They, I know they don't play the competition up to par as some of these big teams like Bama, Georgia, right? Like they can have the top two, but there is like Ohio state is still shouldn't to me. It's just not a clear cut number four team. Do they have the talent to be a top four? Yes. But like, it's just not that Ohio state team of the past. Oregon definitely like I Oregon is a fake eight one team. When you lose to Stanford and then you struggle against Arizona and then like you blow out this one team, like you're in too inconsistent. Cincinnati, you had one down week where you just and but you've been blowing everyone else out and you beat Notre Dame, a good Notre Dame team on the road. Like, you know, it, I just don't understand the credit. Well, I com- I don't agree with you on Ohio State. I can see Ohio State being um, at number three or number four. Oregon, I don't understand. I agree with you there. Oregon should not be a top four team, especially over an undefeated Cincinnati team with a win against a top ten team with other quality wins. Um, the fact they haven't fucking lost. Um, statistically speaking, like they, they have great numbers, especially on their defense. You look at the talent. They have talent across the board, arguably the best. I'm I'm not going to say the best corner, one of the top corners in college football. I I don't see how you have him at five. That is ridiculous. the The furthest you can have him to me is four, and I have a clear top four in Georgia, Bama, Ohio State, and Cincinnati. Anything else to me is wildly overthinking this thing. Uh, I guess there's oh there's fucking Oklahoma too. I forgot about Oklahoma. I, Oklahoma yeah. at eight is weird too. That's crazy to me. Well, the thing is, Oklahoma's just not, you know, they don't have a dominant win, uh, right? Like their best win, their only ranked win, I'm pretty sure, is Texas. And they had to really come back from the, they had to come back from 28 7 down to win that game. On top and of Texas that, is not ranked right now as well. Yeah. Did so they, like, they beat Oklahoma State though, right? Did they play? Did they, I thought they played last week of the season. Rivalry week. I, I have no idea. I'm looking it up now. I think they played last week of the season. Yeah, they do, so they haven't played. Okay, so that makes sense that that Oklahoma's not in there. I'll, I'll, I'll give the, the committee credit there and whatnot. Yeah, I, but, I don't believe there's it. Now, like, if they beat Baylor pretty handily and they beat Oklahoma State and they win the Big 12, I mean, they're going to be in that conversation. They'll probably put them over Cincy. But the way the committee is shaping it out to be is, like, Cincinnati's, like, right there on the outside looking in, right? Like, they have to play perfect ball now. And not only do they have to play perfect ball, but, like, like for instance, like, tonight they play South Florida. They have to beat the dog shit out of them, right? They have to cover 23 points. If they beat them by 10 – the committee's going to be like, well, you, you beat a two and seven South Florida team by 10 points. Like that does nothing for us, you know? And like, at the end of the day, like didn't Ohio state just struggle with Penn state? Like I understand Penn state's a little different in South Florida, but like it's Ohio state, you know? I don't know. I, I don't understand this at all, to be honest. Well, uh, like it wouldn't be a, they just expanded the playoff, but this is what we have. Well, there, there's this always this weird mix between how you play versus whether you won or lost. Because 
it's almost like okay well if you won you need to win by a lot but if you lose you're fucked like the loss is is huge can we but then just again, go one way or the other with this but then again like this is the way i see it too with the wins and losses is that the committee looks at it like there's bad wins but then there's good losses right because ohio state now that you look at it they're in the top four and they lost to oregon that's a good loss but Cincinnati struggling with whoever they played last week and only won by like, you know, like 10, like the Navy game, right? Where they only won by like eight or 10 points or something like that. That's considered a bad loss. I see this, this whole conversation is shouldn't be happening in the first place. Like you have the 12 team playoff and we're talking about whether A&M, Wake Forest, Baylor, Ole Miss and BYU should be in it. Like, that's the conversations we should be fucking having. This is ridiculous that an undefeated Cincinnati team that we all know has the talent to compete with other top teams. I mean, they beat Notre Dame by two scores, like you said. They have a sick defense. Whether or not they would they would get smacked by Georgia, okay. I can take that. Like, maybe they would. But the fact of the yeah. matter is, is that they should be in the damn college football playoff. And if they don't, that is a crime. If they, if Cincinnati wins out and they're not in the college football playoffs, <laughs> and someone like Oregon who loses to Stanford makes it over them, that's horseshit. Yeah, it's terrible. It, but like, oh, it, it just. And, and the thing is, I'm. A lot of you are rough on the committee. This is the first time I'm really like, all right, guys, you got it wrong. Because like a lot of people gave them shit for the first time whenever they put in that Ohio State team, but that Ohio State team ended up winning it. You know, like I agree with that. But like, uh, like just look at the past. You know, like of college football playoff. Like look at the first one. You know, like Florida State went undefeated, but they weren't that good. But they made it because of their name. Like Cincinnati's better than that team. I know they are, 100%. They might not have bigger names. But look at the Cincinnati team. What do they have that these top four teams don't have, you know? They have they have just exactly that. They have Heisman Hopeful and Desmond Ritter. They have a top defense, and they got a top offense. It's going to rank. They're going to rank on the top side of both sides of the ball. And they have a big-time playmaker in their quarterback. That's just – that that same thing you say about Bama. That's the same thing you say about Ohio State. Georgia has the best defense, but on top of that, like again, they got the mailman playing quarterback. Desmond Ritter's better than him. I think at the end of the day, if they played and Cincinnati's defense showed up and it was a grudge match, I think he's going to come down to two a couple big playmaking abilities, advantage Cincinnati. I so I, I just don't really truly understand it. Well, this is this whole situation is going to get really messy if this top five wins out: Cincinnati, Ohio State, Oregon, Bama, Georgia. Um, oh, it's it, it's just it would it be or like on top of that, like if Oklahoma wins out too, so it'd be. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. If Oklahoma then wins these, because their season's on the line here against Baylor, and then they have to go out and beat Oklahoma State. Those will give them two quality enough wins to put themselves in the conversation for the college football playoff. And they're going to be undefeated. I imagine they have to make it over Oregon at that point. Um, yeah, I would think so too. I, and the thing is, Cincinnati, because, because you have more quality wins. I don't see Oregon finish this season at 11 and 1, 12 and 1, or whatever. I, I still think Oregon State's going to upset them. 
We also you know, have I, to remember Bama's going to have to beat Georgia in the SEC championship, probably. Yeah, but the thing is, like, there's never been a two-loss team in the college football playoff. But it looks like you know, if it is, if it's a really good game, you know, like Georgia wins on a game-winning field goal, like 2017. Yeah, but you need help, dude. They need help. They, if if Oregon oh, and Ohio but, State and Oklahoma win out, you can't put a two-loss Bama team in there. But if if like you said, if Oregon loses and maybe Ohio State loses or something, and Oklahoma loses, like okay, then all of a sudden, then it's a clown fiesta. It's like, what the fuck? Okay, then we could put a two-loss Bama team in there, considering the fact that they only lost. They lost to two good teams, right? Because Texas A&M at the time, you're saying, oh, that's a bad loss, it's a terrible loss. Texas A&M is one of the hottest teams in college football right now. They're smoking everyone, and they're smoking good teams. Oh, yeah. They they completely shut down a good Auburn team. I'm not going to say the Auburn team is great or they're fantastic or one of the top teams in the SEC, no. But they're playing the fact good. of the matter is, that's an annoying Auburn team. That's a good Auburn team that's playing well. I'm still saying don't don't put it past Bama not to lose to Auburn. I, I'm going to take Auburn that week. I know I am. But uh, I, I'm not, dude. It's Bama, dude. It's Bama. Um, I know, but I think I, I just Auburn... I still think that Bama Bama might be the team that's out. If if these other teams, because I honestly I don't see Ohio State losing here. Um. Unless Michigan runs the table too, because if Michigan beats Ohio State and wins the Big Ten, yeah, um, that's gonna be crazy, dude. What is? I'm on. A, I'm what? hoping for the clown fiesta. You know what? I'm hoping that Bama that that. I guess you'd want Georgia then to beat Bama. You'd want Oregon to lose to like Utah in the in the Pac-12 championship. Then you'd want Ohio State to lose to a Michigan. Cincinnati to win out, um, and then Oklahoma. What you want Oklahoma to lose to win one of these games and then lose, so they're a one, a good one loss team. Yeah, and that then, would be crazy. What I want from like the committee, I want where like they when the final selection comes up, they have to look at like seven teams, you know, to find four <laughs> spots. For and they're just struggling, and then they're like, okay, maybe it's time to expand it. Because they're going to get shit for whoever they pick, you know? Mm -hmm. I, dude, I, I'm rooting for that. I'm rooting for a scenario where there's like nine teams that you can choose from, as long as Cincinnati is one of them. I want to see Cincinnati in the college football playoff if they win out. They deserve to be I, in there. I think they truly deserve it. All right, so we can talk about last segment of the day, Odell to the Rams. Rams continue to go all in this season, trying to get anything they can to win. Is this a good move for you? I mean, I think that we both, we're not huge Odell fans, but we both respect the fact that he's a good player. He, he moves situations because clearly Cleveland was not working, goes to the Rams. Like, is this is this a great move for the Rams? Good move? Doesn't matter. He's not going to play. What do you think about it? Well, there's I I look at it kind of like two ways. Like the first way, I think it's a good move for Odell because he needs to go to a team that's a contending and needs to go to a team that has like that veteran quarterback that you know doesn't go through the struggles like Baker Mayfield may you know like a young quarterback may. So good move for him. Now the other way I look at it is like now that receiver room is really laying on thick, 
right? Because like mm-hmm. Cooper Cup and Stafford are already pretty much established. Like, you know, like Cup is my number one target. I'm looking for him every play. But on top of that, like Robert Woods has already came out and he he was kind of like, especially in the beginning of the season, he was he was mad with his production. He wanted more looks too. So now, like, where do you put Odell and all that? Like, and how does that affect Robert Woods? You know. Well, everyone's saying that a lot of his targets are going to come from Van Jefferson. I do agree with that, but I, I compare this move to the Robert Woods move, not because I think he's going to take targets from Robert Woods, but just look at what the Rams and Sean McVay did with Robert Woods when they acquired him. He was he wasn't terrible in Buffalo, but he wasn't a great receiver in Buffalo. And he, they come in Robert Woods' best skill set, and the way that they Rams want to use him is. When they're playing off-man coverage, which a lot of teams try to do against against the um, the Rams because that's one of the ways that you can mitigate Cooper Cup is that you play off-man and kind of just double Cooper Cup. Well, that's where Robert Woods comes in and starts eating and Van Jefferson. Well, now you add another piece to that, to that where Odell, like if you want to play off-man, you're going to have a nightmare trying to cover Odell, Robert Woods, and Van Jefferson all one-on-one, three receivers that are really good at beating one-on-one coverage, just specifically off-man, and then anything else you play, well, then all of a sudden Cooper Cup is going to eat because if you're playing zone, Cooper Cup is going to eat. If you're playing press man, Cooper Cup is going to eat. Or Tyler Higby is going to eat, right? One, or, or Sean McVay at that point is going to start calling up like little pick routes and crap, and it's just like you're fucked. Um, I think this is a fantastic move for the Rams. If you're able to I mean, get it, it, the thing is, is that it's just so is there's so much upside and we've seen the Rams take receivers that are kind of meddling. Sean McVay take receivers that are kind of meddling, literally use them only for what they are good at. He's not asking Cooper Cup to be Calvin Johnson. He's just saying, OK, Cooper Cup, just eat underneath, eat in one on one. And whenever a team tries to take you out of the game, well, that's why we have guys like Robert Woods, and that's why we drafted Van Jefferson and now picked up Odell because we want to have an offense that no matter what you are, no matter what you're trying to take away as a defense, we have an answer. And not only do we have an answer, we're going to spam the fuck out of it. If there, if Odell has a has a good matchup, and you're saying, "Oh, Odell's washed," we'll put a nickel corner on him or, or, or a dime corner, right? Our fourth guy on the depth chart probably, on him. Probably, probably, Sean McVay will throw him the ball. 90 times in that game he does not give a fuck him and shanahan all those kinds of coaches like if if you're having a light box if you're saying oh we're gonna cover all these guys he's just gonna run it over and over and over again stafford will gladly end the game with two pass attempts and sean mcveigh will come out with a dub right um i think i think it's a fantastic move and it just makes the rams that much scarier now now this is more of a question not to do with like his playing ability on the field, but like, you know, like his chemistry, like in the locker room, like the way he, I've always kind of seen Odell, maybe it's just kind of like the way the media depicts him. Cause like, again, I'm not in that locker room, but it seems like sometimes he's kind of like a buzzkill, you know, like he just, he doesn't jail right. He's never really been like on a winning team besides that Giants team in 2016 that lost the wild card game by the Packers, you know, like, does that like little cloud hangover because like some players just don't win you know and some just kind of make it all about themselves i get kind of that vibe from odell i think he's he's going to have to adapt to his role kind of like how ab was you know when he was picked up from the box like 
he, you know you're not the number one, but Brady still likes you. Just run your routes. I'll give you the damn ball. Does Odell have that kind of mentality to follow suit with that? I like. Well, I think here, that's here's a-, a couple of points that I want to make. First off, um, I, I think that the two major issues with Odell in the locker room have been more so directed towards the coaching staff and the management side of the team more so than the players on his team hating him. It actually seems like a lot of the players from the Giants and from the Browns, like John Johnson came out and said, like, dude, we we want Odell back. Like, we like him. He's a good player. Rashard Higgins was another guy. He's, he's actively, like, outspokenly in favor of Odell. Um, I actually think that, like, the players like Odell, and they think that he's a good guy and whatnot. It's just the management and then the quarterback. That has been the other problem. The thing is, is that if, like, Matt Stafford, Compared to the other quarterbacks that he, that Odell's played with, Matt Stafford, the quality of teammate he is, and the the everyone raves about him. Everyone, everyone is saying, "Dude, Matt Stafford, he is willing to go miles more than other quarterbacks in terms of getting people on the same page, developing a relationship, maintaining that relationship." Right? Every all those players from Detroit, and even now the players in LA are like, "Dude, this guy is the." is fucking awesome like he's the total package that's exactly what odell needed dude he needed to go to a team with a quarterback it's like dude listen just listen to me buy into the rams process my process mcveigh's process and dude trust me the results are going to come right the the that's this is exactly what odell needed you don't want to have odell at this point asked to be the best receiver in the league but if you're just asking him, hey, just buy into the system and do what we need you to do, it's going to work, I think. Yeah, I like that, you know. And that's why I like him going to a team with a veteran quarterback. I think that's kind of what he needs to kind of get get back in his suit, maybe re, rejuvenate his career a little bit. I still think I would have liked him better with the Packers more, you know. But at the end of the day, like, I think the veteran quarterback mix will be good for him. I'm just interested to see when they play just how like how the offense looks because I want like I want to see how McVay gets everybody their touches and everybody gets their reps. The only problem I have with the Packers landing spot is similar to what we've seen. It seems like with some of the players going to the Chiefs is that clearly there's an opportunity for another guy to come in there, but it really doesn't seem like the coaching staff and Aaron Rodgers or the coaching staff at Kansas city and Patrick Mahomes are like, we're going to go lengths to make the whole thing work for you. Right. I think that those organizations are more so like, okay, we can just spend a little bit of cap, spend a little bit of cash on Odell. And if Odell just was being misused in Cleveland, like, okay, then we have a sick receiver that we added. If not, Big fucking whoop. Like, we signed him to a one-year deal, and then he's gone after the season. He can go pout all he wants to other teams, right? And I yeah. and I think it was smart by Odell to go to a team that I think is notoriously good at making it work with the guys that they bring in, whether it's at the receiver position or not, right? We, we saw it with, like, C.J. Anderson in the playoff run, right? You bring him off the streets. He had a couple of bad stints here and there. Uh, people were saying he's washed. He comes in. Do, they're not asking him to, to be someone else. They're just saying, dude, we're going to have you be C.J. Anderson, 
And if it works, if the game plan is working, like in that Cowboys game, McVay just spams the shit out of him. And he goes off for like 200 yards and like three touchdowns in that playoff game. So I think that that's the scenario that's going to happen with Odell. I think it's a, it's a great fit. The Rams did need a receiver. Dude, Rams Super Bowl, baby. Let's fucking get it, dude. Oh, they are buying in. They are buying in for my Super Bowl pick. Finally. McVay pushed all his chips in the middle of the table. <laughs> He's like, I'm all in, man. <laughs> Let's run it. Yeah, it's like, um, oh, what's that movie? I forget the, the name of it, but the dude with the Oreos who's like splashing all the chips. And that, that's the Rams, right? He's just splashing oh, the chips in um, the table. Rounders? Yeah, I think it's Rounders. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. That that Russian guy or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the that's movie. that's the um, that's the Rams right now. I like it. All right, well, we got nothing else. So unless you have any impromptu topics, that'll do it from us here. Yeah, I got nothing else. I think it's gonna be a good week. Yeah, um, I do. I am really looking forward to that Raiders Chiefs game on Monday night. I, I feel like so, we had in the beginning of the season, these primetime games were absolutely fire, right? And they've cooled off a little bit, it seems like. Maybe I'm wrong completely, but it does feel like the primetime games have cooled off a little bit. Well, it, it seemed like the Sunday night games every week you turned it, tuned in, they were really great. Then they kind of fell off when the Bills just beat the shit out of the Chiefs, you know? And I then... mean, like the, the Cowboys-Vikings game was close. I just don't think it was very, like, entertaining. Because, like, you know, you had the whole storyline of Justin Jefferson against Trayvon Diggs, and it's just like, okay, none, none of that really happened. And then you have a backup quarterback, and the Cowboys can't move the ball. It was just a boring game. Um, yeah. I mean, the the Bears-Steelers game was a really good game. That was a primetime game. But it, it's, as a Steelers fan, even I'm it's Bears-Steelers. Like, it, it's not like you have two powerhouse teams slugging it out for top spot in the conference, you know? Yeah. I, I think the Raiders and Chiefs, well, those games are always good, you know, so. I, over might be a play. That seems to be a thing, but I think with the I Chiefs can't, offense, it's scary. Yeah, I just can't put faith in that Chiefs offense right now. All right, but if you made it this far, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. We really appreciate it. Hit us with a subscribe on the YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever the hell you're listening on. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Peace out.